guys. Welcome to the next episode of Optimal You Wellness Center Back to Health for the New Generation Holistic Healthcare. And this is our podcast. This is episode three. It's our Easter episode, and we're talking about rebirth. Um, but the main title of this is, Is the Crunchy Community a Cult? And let's kind of dive right in. This is a really interesting topic. Uh, we kind of talk about this a lot. I have a really great guest with me today, Heather, who is a certified holistic health coach. She works with me in my practice. Hello. She is amazing. She works with all of my patients um, alongside me. And this is just a topic I feel like we kind of chat about on and off all the time. And now we kind of get to go off the cuff a little bit, just kind of unscripted and share our thoughts. So we might piss some people off, but <laughs> I feel like it needs to be talked about. It does. It does. hundred percent because there's so many mixed messages out there and I feel like we get our, our patient base here is all walks of life, yeah. right? They're all at different levels and definitions of holistic. And so, and then I feel like it is our job not to change the way people believe, but to bring an honest perception, you know, and offer that. No, I totally agree, but I think you already said something really important, and healthcare should not be a belief system, right? So that's where we cross that boundary into Coltville, in mm -hmm. my opinion, yeah. is when we start to, and same with politics, right? Like when we start to identify way too strongly with a label, and we start to have distrust or hate or malintent towards people who do not think or feel the same way, that goes beyond research, that goes beyond scientific evidence, that goes beyond medical decision-making or medical freedom, and that goes into cult, religion, mm. belief aspects that should be kept very separate from making medical decisions for your family. And I find that social media can be a blessing or a curse when it comes to this, right? And oh, yeah. <laughs> that, gets, that gets dangerous. So, you know, I have so many of our patients, and you've seen this too, say, you know, well, I've extensively researched this, and they send me screenshots from some guy's TikTok story. Like, yeah. that's not research. And these are all the things I kind of want to talk about and touch on today because, mm -hmm. you know, with Easter coming up, I really wanted to talk about rebirth and kind of the beauty of coming back to holistic and natural medicine. But I really want to frame that around this bigger conversation of, and I say this to everybody that I work with, and you've probably heard me say this, if you treat natural and holistic healthcare with the same respect, due diligence, and quantitative nature as Western medicine, that's when it's powerful and that's when it's effective. And that's how I practice. So I think there's a place for all of this to meet in the middle. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what I want to, I want to dive into. So... The first thing I kind of want to talk about is like, let's talk about the mommy bloggers. Let's talk about social media. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on kind of how the term research is, is used in general populations? So I think it can mean a number of things to different people like you've already touched on. And um, what's important is that when you're using the word research, um, that I feel that that needs to have a medical you know, background. There, there needs to be someone with some credibility behind that word. It's like when we used to write, you know, research papers and things in school, mm -hmm. and 
I remember specifically being told you can't use Wikipedia because anybody has the ability right. to go on there and edit the information. And when we start using them, and again, nothing against blogs or um, the crunchy communities and all of that, I think there is a place for that. And it's great for people to have a place where they feel like they can be themselves and they can be seen and heard. That's wonderful um, as far as a support system goes. But unless it's somebody with some kind of medical credibility, you have to be really careful what you're um, quoting and what you're seeing as truth. And you need to, it is your job to do your due diligence yes. and dig deep into, there's a lot of, you know, mixed information out there on any topic. And, and it's really easy to find and nitpick the information that fits your mold. Oh, yeah. And that's dangerous, too, because you can find even a well-vetted research article that will say almost anything you want it to. Yes. It's not hard to do. It's very true. It's very true. And um, it's like I was talking with somebody the other day, and they were talking about how, like, let's take uh, cancer, for example, and some a big cancer organization that's out there that I'm not going to say the name of, but the money that's behind it, mm -hmm. and then what funds that. Mm -hmm. And, um, again, I don't want to go into the details of it because... That's just a whole other controversial topic. <laughs> but uh, you have to look at what's behind. And these are people with a lot of money and a lot of power. Yeah. And so they can say, eat this. This is going to be good for you. This is going to heal your cancer diagnosis. But it's all what's backing that, you know, what's behind that. So. And then this kind of brings me to a little bit of a soapbox here. So forgive me if I spiel for a minute. But I just kind of went on my own. So. <laughs> no, it was good. It was good. I love it. But it's true. So... You know, when we go to school, especially in, like, a graduate program, we actually take a fair number of classes in research, learning how to not only conduct research, how to write research, the process that goes into getting funding, into being peer-reviewed. We learn how to discern the quality of research and research articles. We are given access to, which, by the way, most of the things you can get for free on the Internet are crap. You most of the time have to have some sort of collegiate or university affiliation to, or a paid subscription to actually have access to the latest, most high-quality peer-reviewed scientific journals. And even if you're reading top-tier, peer-reviewed, um, you know, really well-backed studies, there's still things that we look at as far as what we're trained to see to understand the efficacy of that study and its results. And even further than that, you have to look at who's funding that research, who is behind the money, is there bias, and when you are vetting research as a peer reviewer, those are things that you take into consideration to decide if the outcomes are viable or not. And that's years in undergrad and graduate that we're trained just to review and conduct research articles. So when you're looking at social media, for example, and somebody uses the word research or flashes a screen of, you know, um, a abstract from something they've Googled and found and they're highlighting words, just because something is even presented maybe in the official format of a peer-reviewed article still does not mean that it is accurate or high quality or should be or could be reproducible or worth, you know, worth its snuff. And mm -hmm. 
you know, that is my, um, my biggest argument, I guess, with kind of the social media platform, because I totally agree. The information that and the community that it builds is very powerful, but it's also very dangerous because as quickly as we can share and spread and make viral good, high quality information, life-saving information, we can spread low quality information, couple that with some really great fear-mongering cult techniques, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden we not only have fear-mongering and propaganda spreading on both sides of the coin through Western medicine and country medicine, but now all of a sudden here we come the saviors. Mm -hmm. I have a product for you. I have a new program that you can take online. I'm going to save your life with this new vitamin that you know I just created and follow me and take my online course to learn the truth, to learn the truth. And I think with COVID, with everything that's happened with government mistrust in the last couple of years, there's a lot of bottom feeders feeding on this fear mongering that is the very thing that they're arguing against. Mm -hmm. So they took this strong stance against vaccinations, against COVID, against the government, against Western medicine. But they answered that using their same techniques, just offering a quote natural solution, a course that teaches you the other side, the truth. But they're doing the same thing. They're yeah. fear mongering people into making medical decisions. That's not medical freedom. That's not medical freedom. And one thing that um, you, an, another side to it is no, nobody is the same, exactly, right? Yeah. So, and that's kind of the basis of functional medicine is that it's getting to the root of, you know, your specific issues and your body is going to be different and manifest things differently than someone else's body. And, you know, all, all the ins and outs of that. So how you can say, this worked for me, so here it is. Mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> you try this. And without, you know, being the doctor who has, you know, evaluated somebody or without having the medical knowledge or, or knowing all the ins and outs of anybody's body or specific issues, that is generalizing care. Yeah. Um, and that's really dangerous, too. No, I completely agree. And... And that kind of goes back to like, if you don't, and this is my problem with even the way, that, and anyways, I could go on so many rants here, but the way that functional medicine, holistic medicine, natural medicine is, is those year, they're, they're uh, hit terms right now. Yeah. And there's been so many certifications and things that have been created saying that they are these types of practice, but they're not. Mm -hmm. And natural medicine, herbs, supplements, dietary changes, food is powerful. Mm -hmm. You can heal your body with these things, but you can also hurt your body with these things. And if you don't know somebody's medical background, the medications that they're on, the diagnoses that they have, the challenges that they face in their specific environment, in their home, in their town, what they're exposed to, what they're fighting with emotionally, you know, all these things play into how dietary changes, lifestyle changes, supplements, herbs, vitamins are all going to interact and work with your body or not. So, you know, just buying onto, you know, cinnamon is anti-inflammatory. Well, guess what? There's a thousand and one things that are anti-inflammatory. <laughs> and that's another point too, is there's a thousand of things out there that can do and be sold as doing very similar things. 
So, you know, everything can be inflammatory and everything can be anti-inflammatory, but that's very generalist. And what bothers me about that is somebody who's invested, you know, 20 plus years in receiving board certifications and educating myself in this field is that it, it steers people who are unsuccessful in trying to heal themselves through these methods, not through the right resources into thinking that this is uh, not a viable medical field mm-hmm. or a solution. They think it's woo-woo. Exactly. And so it's like, oh, because I you know, ate the cinnamon or whatever and yeah. I didn't heal myself, then it's all BS. And, yeah. it's, it, and it's, it's sad to see that, but it's also, um, I think it really diminishes the power that functional medicine can have. Oh, and, I totally agree. Um, I think that I think there's a place for Western medicine and functional medicine to meet in the middle and be really, really powerful together. Yeah. And that's what I want to see happen. That's you know, I would I would love to see the power of both worlds come together. Yeah. Um, but there has to be there has to be a common ground, and there has to be they both have to be seen in the same light and with equal. Um, there, there has to be um, a professional level, yes, you know, for both. And I feel like what tends to happen is because there's kind of a holistic um, functional medicine, whatever term you want to use, that is seen as a more free spirited, like sure. anything goes, and so it can mean a hundred different things. As to your point, and. With that, the power of it and the meaning of it is diminished. It's just taken away. No, I agree. And I like, you were kind of talking to me the other day. You were talking about the definition of holistic mm-hmm. and how that, again, has gotten so broad. And, you know, when I was doing my board certification, and I still continue to take classes, you know, it's a combination of different degree types. Yeah. So we are taught by... And even in my doctorate degree, my initial doctorate degree, half of my professors were medical doctors. Some were DOs, some were PAs, some were chiropractors, some were, you know, all different walks of life and degree status, and they were working together, but the basis of our education still had that very strong foundation of pure scientific knowledge, anatomy, biochemistry, uh, pharmacology, and beyond. Because no matter how you want to practice, you have to understand Human, human science <laughs> to a base level to, to make it work. And I think that, you know, in the formal education settings, I do see these worlds starting to blend. Mm-hmm. But since COVID, and I, I really come back to that, with social media and with this political vein that has infiltrated healthcare, for I, I really think for the strongest... Um, really in the strongest way it has in many decades. The communities of patients who are seeking this type of care have become problematic in that marriage because they are creating, and I and I always have a red flag if a patient comes in here and starts doctor bashing, I don't want to work with them. Yeah. And it doesn't impress me to come in here and poo-poo on your medical doctor and the dumb things you think they said. Um, and vice versa, you know, it doesn't help for you to go to your medical doctor and say dumb things, Dr. Lexi said, that didn't work for you. (laughs) Because 
half the time that's patient misinterpretation. But that's not even the point. The point is, is that we should be able to build a respect and a patient should have the belief and the, the positive reinforcement that their providers are able to communicate and work together and that we all have their best interests at heart. You know, unfortunately, there's a lot of things that play into that with, you know, monetary incentives and, you know, legislation and things that have infiltrated the medical field. But I do firmly believe that nobody goes into the field of medicine, health coaching, anything that involves, you know, psychology, whatever, helping people with malintent. And it's a huge self-sacrificing career choice. Um, And a special type of person goes into that. And I think that we get really jaded through our practice. Um, And I think a large reason for that is the role that insurance companies now play in medical decision-making. 100%. You get the power taken from you. (laughs) You just went down a rabbit hole there. I did. I live in rabbit holes. Um, But it's it's very true. And, you know, and that creates distrust. But I think we're in the generation of distrust right now. Mm -hmm. And that can be problematic. So have you heard of, and kind of getting back to the social media, have you heard of the disinformation dozen? No. Okay, so they did a research study that's actually pretty great, um, and they showed that 68% of um, crunchy, holistic, um, specifically like anti-vax information, anti-COVID information came from 12 social media accounts. That's it. Um, And, you know, no matter what your opinion is on COVID or COVID vaccinations, it should concern you that 68% of information, because, okay, let me, let's just like take a poll here. How many people get their news from Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok? Like, uh, I mean, a lot. The vast majority. Yeah. Now. Like, I really believe that. So if these are the new news outlets of today, these are where we're finding most of our, quote, research. These are where we're finding most of our recommendations for care providers, for service renters. We live in this social media world, and 12 individuals control 70% of the information on a very large and hot topic. That is concerning. That is cult community. That That is is, not okay. It's not a level playing field, and that leads to, like, okay, let's go back to the childhood game of telephone. Mm -hmm. So... How many times is one piece of content shared, rewritten, reframed, mm-hmm. reshared, misinterpreted, and it's taken as fact because it's always quoted back to this research article or this account? That creates problems, and that is not research, and that's not how information should be, especially with, medic- with medicine and health mm-hmm. given to the patient population. It's my book. Twelve accounts. Twelve. Wow. Yep. Two more fingers than I have. (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy. It's terrifying. And, you know, and it kind of goes back to and like, and, you know, this is no poo-pooing on multi-level marketing or what do they call it now? They've rebranded themselves as direct direct to consumer marketing or something. Mm -hmm. There's a new term. Anyway, rebrand. But MLMs. Um, you know, that is how social media is working. It is literally creating a direct-to-consumer marketing platform 
for a very small amount of professionals, or I won't even call them professionals, of profiteers mm -hmm. who are making profits off of clicks, off of misinformation, off of, um, you know, spreading whatever crunchy fact, new, you know, new discovery, new program that they feel like. Um, and to pretend that because it's coming from a holistic or natural mindset that someone is not making money off of that in the same way an insurance company, a pharmaceutical company is, is false. So the wellness industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. And half of these supplement companies are, have been bought out by companies like Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson, Moderna. They own half, like... Pure encapsulations, I used to love them. They literally just got bought out by Johnson yeah. & Johnson. So it's all really filtering back to the same mega corporations that we're trying to remove ourselves mm -hmm. from. So how do you um, how do you choose, like how do you research your supplements that you use? Well, so it's really important to be continuously doing so. And I think that's the most important Because it changes, today. obviously. It does. And, you know, I... I go through a lot of headache to constantly be on top of anything that I'm recommending my patients put into their bodies for that reason, because these are not regulated. Yeah. And again, that's the true issue with so much of the holistic um, natural medicine communities is a lot of these people's licenses or certifications are not monitored by any type of board, any type of formal educational system. They're made up. Have, uh, supplements are not monitored by, you know, the FDA, um, which, you know, that's another topic of how credible that actually is in the first place. But still, there's not a huge company overseeing what is in these bottles. Mm -hmm. The reason why that's problematic is because whatever your opinions on their efficacy or their moral standards aside, it is a very large administrative company or um, not company, you know, platform that is making sure what is written and labeled on a bottle is accurately represented in the product. And, you know, when you don't have that, it is up to the individual brands to regulate themselves and police themselves. They set their own standards for um, cross-quality control testing. They set their own standards for labeling. They set their own standards for uh, ingredient sourcing. Right. And that is scary because yeah. they also set their own standards for what type of research or testing they have to do to say this product can provide X. So I could create a supplement that says this is good for inflammation and there's not a whole lot of network or guidelines put into place on what I have to do to actually back that claim. But you use that word inflammation, which right now everyone sure. uses that word. And so somebody who doesn't know to do their research can read that Dr. Lexi put out a made a supplement that says reduces inflammation and that's all they they aren't even gonna bother to look any deeper. They don't because unfortunately now what makes someone legitimate in most people's minds is the number of followers they have. Yeah, that's true. So if there's an Instagram account set up Half the time, people will send them to me, and they'll be like, oh, look at this doctor, and this guy doesn't even have a high school diploma, but because he has 70,000 followers and credits himself as a wellness, quote, expert, they're buying his products, they're taking his course online, 
and almost like he's like biblical in nature and it's crazy to me um but they just feel and we have this which is so funny because we have so much mistrust but then we have this blind trust for social media influencers uh which is ridiculous uh there's nobody monitoring what they put out there and i I can tell you this as someone with an actual degree to protect in a malpractice company who's telling me what i can and can't do i am far less likely to give out free information free content treatment advice online because if somebody does what I say and gets hurt, I am responsible for that. I can get sued. I can get my license taken. Mm-hmm. Versus if you're just Joe Smo with a certificate you got online, <laughs> you can say whatever the hell you want. If somebody you're dies, smug. it's not going to hurt you. Right. It's but do you think some of that is from, you somehow switched to me asking you the questions. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> do you think that some of that is, still that quick fix mindset, you know, people are still looking for, they, so there, I think that there's a sense of, and don't get me wrong, I'm all for supplements when they are being prescribed by someone who knows what they're, you know, how to use them and what they're best for and what you should be taking for your personal body. Um, but I feel like some people, they just want to take a pill for something or they just want to take a powder for something. And so it's like they don't even really care to do the research because it's like, okay, I'm going to order from this person. I'm gonna, I don't need a doctor to tell me I can. I don't need to be prescribed. I'm just going to order here and there and have this whole new protocol that I'm giving myself that's going to yeah. work because it's all over the internet. It must work. No, 100%. And that like goes into, um, what was I going to say? Um, oh, it's gone. Anyway, mommy brain. Um, it was good though. It'll come back to me. But yeah, a hundred percent. And you know, I I tell people you get out of oh, you can't out supplement a bad diet. That's what I was gonna say. And and you can't. So you can't out supplement a bad diet and a bad lifestyle. And there is no quick fix. Um, and you know, you can and, and the truth of it too is there's no difference in my mind from a holistic provider pushing thousands of dollars of thousands of supplements and a pill pusher in the pharmaceutical industry mm-hmm. getting you hooked on their medication. Right. Because these are not no side effect pills. Yes, they're a lot less dangerous than a lot of the pharmaceutical mm-hmm. alternatives. But a lot of that reason is because most of the time, if you can get it without a physician, it's low quality, low grade, low potency crap that's not going to do anything to you anyway. But then you start taking this concoction of self-prescribed this and that and a tincture and an oil and essential oils. I mean, that's another thought. Like, let's go talk about essential oils, how much trouble those MLMs got in for unprecedented medical claims and telling people to internally ingest things that were extremely poisonous and toxic to them. I mean, hello. Like, and I remember, I'll never forget it. It was right around when like doTERRA and Young Living were like these big, big things. And this woman sat behind me at a restaurant and she unzipped this binder and it looked like, like a three ring binder. And it probably had a hundred tiny little oils in it. And she was obese. She was morbidly obese. She was not in good health. She was eating a fried chicken salad with ranch dressing on top while she's dropping probably over 50 different drops. And she has her teenage daughter sitting next to her and she's having her, I'm not making this up, recite 
okay, now we're going to do three drops of orange for inflammation and three drops of cinnamon for this. And having her daughter shoot these essential oils as they're eating their fried chicken. And I'm just sitting there like, this is what's wrong with, with natural medicine. This is not what this was meant to be. And this is somebody profiteering off of fear-mongering and misinformation, and that's just as bad as the pharmaceutical industry. I'm sorry, I'm going to say it. It is. You're pill pushers. Period. Wow. That's a great... I'm like, I'm speechless. Like, it's not okay, and like, this all does take a tax on our liver. You want to talk about detoxification organs? (laughs) Let's not take 50 herbs a day that we don't know what the hell they're doing, where they come from, and tell ourselves we're doing good for us and our children, and we're giving this to our children. Mm -hmm. That's the other part of this conversation, too. Because this is vetted in a very safe, natural way, we are comfortable as mothers giving these things to our kids. Now tell me this. If a social media influencer put out tomorrow a new prescription medication that they said would detoxify you from parasites, would you give that to your children, your 10-month-old, your 18-month-old, take it breastfeeding? Yeah. But some people would. (laughs) But but the the point of that is that it's, these these supplements yeah. because we're told that they're safe there's no side effects they're natural yeah they're not treated with the same amount of discern or hesitancy as a prescription and that ties in with what we were saying earlier about it's the the quality of the care that doctors like you provide and practices like this provide is diminished because of all of that. Yeah, it's not seen as in the same light as um, a medical doctor. I, I don't, I'm not using the right terms, but yeah. Um, and it, it, that's so. It's scary because of how that can be twisted and all the just messy directions that can go and. Well, 100%. And like, I have people come in sometimes because, like, now the new thing is a lot of these lab companies have opened up ordering direct to patients. Yeah. So, benefit of that is we have a lot of information, a lot of resources, which are very powerful now available to us as patients. Downside of that is it's cash pay. Mm-hmm. And you have absolutely no clinical relevance to half the things you're ordering on yourself. So, here's an example of this. One mama goes on social media, she's flipping, she files, she follows all these mommy bloggers, crunchy health influencers, health coaches, workout stars, whatever, and identifies with a lot of the very broad symptom lists they like to share. Mm-hmm. It says, I have estrogen dominance for sure. My hormones are out of whack. I need to order a Dutch test. Okay, go online, spend the $600, do a Dutch test, send it off. Guess what Dutch test does? Sends you back that 30-page report that I've spent years learning how to interpret to that poor mama who just spent $600, and that's it. So she has, one, no idea how to eat it. Mm -hmm. Two, no idea what to do with that information. And then she brings it to me. Well, I'm hesitant to even utilize that because I have no clinical relevance to even say that that test was necessary for her. And... It's just creating this, again, someone is trying to profit off of these women. Mm -hmm. And when you offer all these cash pay services, it's beautiful because you are not being told when testing is necessary, when treatment is necessary by an insurance company, which also, by the way, I believe is wrong. Mm -hmm. But it's problematic because direct to patient 
availability of some of these things is really only there for the purpose of somebody making money off of them. I didn't even realize that you could just order the Dutch test on your own. You didn't used to be able to, and now it can be purchased directly, but you just get that 30-page report sent to you, and yeah. that's it. And, you know, most doctors are not going to touch that with a 10-foot pole mm -hmm. because they're now responsible for that result, mm -hmm. and they didn't even order it. And that puts us at risk in liability. So really, it just wasted somebody's time and money. So then they go online, and they say, well, I'm going to treat myself. Start Googling, find a supplement company, yeah. find an online. It just feeds into this mechanism. Yeah. And that's really scary to me. So that kind of brings me to, I think, something you can maybe speak to as a health coach in my practice. Yes. The emotional and stress toll mm -hmm. that this crunchy, blaming, hateful narrative has turned into and the negative effects on our health that that takes the mental toll that that takes on us as mothers as wives as independent women becoming fearful mm -hmm. of almost everything they put in their mouths everything that they believe is in our water in our air in our soil and how that is so just disturbing yeah to to me the fear that has been created around this yeah, and you mentioned the word stress, and I want to go there for a minute because what I see a lot with the patients that I work with here and in my own practice is people don't realize how much stress is a contributor. Um, I don't care if it's stress from outside sources, if it's stress from um, self-created stress, whatever it is. Um, that is a contributing cause to a lot of physical illnesses. Mm -hmm. And, um, but people don't want to talk about that a yeah. lot of times. They, again, they want to give me a supplement, give me um, a meal plan, whatever. Give me these things that are tangible that I can follow. Mm -hmm. But don't ask me to change my life. Yeah, <laughs> right? Don't, and, and going back to that quick fix and, and all that. And it's just, there is, there's this, I think you're hitting the nail on the head where there's fear that's behind it. Mm -hmm. And so the fear is what drives them to want that quick fix. Yeah. Just let me, just let me put a bandaid on. Just let me take care of it. And I will say people that come to this practice, they want to do more than put a bandaid on it. That's why they come here because sure. they have tried the bandaid and the bandaid didn't work. So they are looking for more, and thankfully. Um, but it's like we have to look even deeper into the things that you're talking about. The where, where else are you getting your information? Like, strip all that away. Maybe take a social media break. Yeah, yeah. Maybe take a. Um, you've got to set some boundaries for yourself. You've got to set boundaries around. Um, who you're listening to, where you're getting your information. Um, and you also need to implement just some healthy practices in your life. Just, I think that's hard for moms, you know, and that's why we don't do it. And I don't think it comes a lot of times from a place of wanting to, you know, not do things fully, mm -hmm. but it's almost like, and, and that comes back to such a larger conversation of society and the fast paced, very demanding lifestyles that we live in this country, particularly, yeah. uh, those are not set up for self-care or health or success. Mm -hmm. um, 
and it's not like a lot of these things are, are wrong either. There is huge concern for toxins in our water, in our air, in our ground. Those are real. But we don't have control over all of these things. And I think that control is also a very strong word for a lot of women who are attracted to this crunchy lifestyle. You know, they're homeschoolers, they're, they're um, farmers, they're self-advocators, they're, they want to be in control of everything that goes into their family environment, into their children. Um, and I think that's beautiful and powerful. Mm-hmm. But they are also being controlled by this cult-type fear-mongering, misinformation, false research mm-hmm. propaganda, in my opinion, that is seated in truth, but is creating this web of stress and fear that, I again, I think exploded during COVID. I think so, too. And I think that I think that it's important at the end of the day, I think it's important for every, um, I'll, I'll say mom for right now, because that's kind of the, the angle that those are the people that, yeah, you know, are looking out for their families in this way. It is the moms. And at the end of the day, you have to come back home to your family, come back home to yourself, bring everything that you're taking in, what from and this is much broader than even just health and wellness but everything you're taking in from your career from your this social circle from this from this and you're going to come back home to your family you're going to say what feels right for my family what feels yeah. right for me what sits well in my gut yeah our bodies are wise our bodies have all the answers they have i 100 percent believe that um but we look everywhere else for the answers when we have them all inside Oh, I totally agree. Our bodies are intelligent and beautifully, perfectly created. Mm-hmm. And all we need to do is listen to them mm-hmm. and stop listening to other people telling us what our body needs and make those decisions ourselves. Mm-hmm. And what's right, again, for you isn't right for me, isn't right for her, isn't right for him. And shaming should be no part of a crunchy community or a crunchy lifestyle. Um, You know, I was telling, we were talking about this podcast episode earlier, and I told you about the patient who literally reamed me out for having Clorox that she found in the bathroom of the office. (laughs) Uh, Told me I was a liar, I was untrustworthy, I was all sorts of names under the sun, um, which have never been spoken to that way in my life, Um, because I obviously wasn't truly crunchy or truly holistic. Um, and then here's my husband eating fried chicken tenders in the office next door, listening to this, laughing, and, you know, super supportive like he is. Um, but it's true, like, we can't, there is no right way. Uh, there's no wrong way. Yeah. Just because one person wants to be vaccinated and another person wants to be anti, one person wants to grow all their veggies and eat organic on their farm with their air purifiers and their water filtration system on their co-op, and the other person wants to live in a high-rise apartment and eat frozen food. You know, everybody, nobody makes choices thinking they're doing bad for themselves. Mm-hmm. And the only way that we can spread awareness and true health is by love and support and breathing love and support into every individual, no matter how far into this journey they come to us mm-hmm. in. Um, and I don't think that that's met well in the crunchy community anymore. 
Yeah, and that makes me sad because this used to be a very welcoming, accepting place. And it's become very um, cult-like, very yeah. exclusive. It has. And there's, so there's different levels, too, like, of what works for, like, we were, we've already touched on what works for your body. It isn't going to work for my body necessarily and blah, blah, blah. But also what works for your lifestyle sure, yeah. isn't going to work for mine. Holistic is much broader than just your physical health. And it's like, these are the conversations that I have with people and can almost see them breathe a sigh of relief when it's like, it's okay if you can't buy all your produce fresh and cook fresh, yeah. you know, from scratch meals every night. It's okay if um, you need to get the frozen vegetables. Sure. And it's okay if um, maybe you need a meal delivery service. Right. Or yeah. there's so many options, and I think that's a beautiful part of figuring out what works for you. Yeah, and those are still really beautiful and important right. steps. And, you know, and I kind of want to finish off this episode getting back to, like, the theme of Easter and mm -hmm. rebirth. And, um, you know, for somebody out there who's looking to dip their toes into this journey, somebody who's seen all the posts, follows all the people, but is overwhelmed and overburdened by this information, what do you think, what are some tips that you can share to that mom, that man, that daughter, that teenager, whoever they are, mm -hmm. who wants to start down this journey the right way mm -hmm. um, and be looking for information in the right places. Yeah. So what I always say is break it down into very small steps. Don't, if you, if you, if you look at the end picture of where you want to be and you just shoot for that, you're going to, you're, you're going to fail. We all will. We can't do that. So we have to break it down. So I say choose one thing. What's one thing you can do today? One thing. And that one thing literally might be getting into your workout clothes and not making it to the gym, but you made it into your workout clothes. Absolutely. If, if like, let's say your goal is um, exercise, to start implementing exercise into your daily routine. And then tomorrow, you might do some stretches. Yeah. Or you might not. You might just make it into your workout clothes again for a week straight. And then, you know, but eventually you're going to make it there. You're going to take a walk. You're going to make a yoga class. You're going to whatever it is. Same thing in the kitchen. What's one change you can make today with your diet? One simple change. It might be drinking more water today. It might be choosing water over the soda. It might be cho choosing herbal tea in the afternoon instead of a coffee. Like these are simple things. We don't realize how much they compound over time. So just bringing it back down, like simplifying. Um, there is so much information, but at the root of it, it's all very simple decisions that you can just change today. And it's just choosing one or two to start with. Oh, I totally agree. And that just reframes your mindset mm -hmm. and makes it a positive process instead yeah. of a negative fear-based process. Yeah. And that's important to me with diet culture and all the negativity floating around our health is to keep a very positive, forward-moving thought process with all of our patients here, because yeah. um, this can get heavy, and it can get scary, um, and that's not what it's meant to be. Yeah. So I appreciate you mm -hmm. and all of your inspiration and your words. Um, we're here. I'd love to see some questions if anybody wants to comment or message us questions or 
you know, tidbits or your own personal experience with the crunchy cult or the crunchy positive crunchy experiences with our community. Um, and I do consider this my community and my people. Uh, so I hope this reads well in a inspiring, enlightening way, um, even though it is kind of, you know, maybe a different stance than what you would expect me to have on on some of these conversations. And that's okay. That's what this is all about, is being open to other people's opinions and sharing your own and learning from different viewpoints and gathering information to decide what's best for you and your people. And with that, I wish you all the best in health and email us, book a discovery call, leave comments. I'd love for you to be a part of our discussion and we'll be soon. We'll be back soon.